1: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a great weekend. A ton to get to today. A ton to get to. We have the Super Bowl. We have the governor of Virginia in blackface. We have the Democratic Party endorsing infanticide. Lots of lots of great topics to get to today. And I was joined by my good friend, Tyler Grant. Um, it's always good talking to Tyler. So, uh, yeah, it, it was a good one. We, we, covered, we covered quite a bit. Um... And I promised a longer episode today because the last one was only like 25 minutes or whatever, and I delivered on that. I think we're well over an hour today, so uh, enjoy it, people. Uh, Yeah, before I get to Tyler, I need to say hi to our sponsors over at Premier Vapor. If you smoke and want to quit or if you vape already, you need to check out Premier Vapor. Vapor. They have the largest selection of premium e-liquid anywhere in the country. Uh, it, it's all made at their state-of-the-art lab out in California. It is really great stuff. They have any kind of tank, any kind of uh, mod or battery, any kind of coil, anything you need for your vape setup, they have. Uh, it is really top-notch stuff. They have physical locations in Perrysburg and Holland, Ohio. If you're in Northwest Ohio, check them out in person. If not, go to PremierVaporAndLounge.com. That is PremierVaporAndLounge.com. They'll give you free shipping on all orders over 35 bucks. And guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. All right. Without further ado, here is my chat with Tyler Grant. All right, guys. We're here with my friend Tyler Grant. Tyler, thanks so much for taking the time, my friend.
0: Yeah, good afternoon.
1: All right. So uh, Super Bowl. Super Bowl last night, New England Patriots beat the L.A. Rams uh, 13-3, to obviously the game we all expected. Um, people are really, I, obviously, I, I can't stand, I'm a Steelers fan. I talk about the Steelers all the time. I really can't stand the Patriots or Tom Brady. But uh, people are going nuts about the Super Bowl, man, saying it's like the worst Super Bowl of all time. Like, I thought it was a great game.
0: Yeah, you know, well, I mean, everybody that tunes into these games doesn't watch a lot of games during the season, so they want kind of a, Deep pass a lot of sacks type of Super Bowl and you know Tom Brady I think all season if you broke down his stats, I mean the guy has got to be You know 80% plus within like 10 to you know 10 to 15 yard passes like that's the Patriots game And you know Todd Gurley coming off of last week for the Rams. I mean He's, he's, he's always had the knee problem. You know, I'm a Georgia fan He's always had the knee problem since he left Georgia and I think he was just underutilized and so he didn't see a big big running game but I mean overall like if you like football it was a good game. I mean, you know, a miss, a missed field goal, come down to the wire on defense. I mean, he you know, doesn't throw the interception. It'd be 10-10 going into overtime in a Super Bowl. I mean, that's that's great football.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think people are just, you know, like casual fans that don't watch a lot of games. They forgot that defense does exist. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's such an offensive league right now that, you know, for the last four or five years or so, There's been very few teams that have even been interested in playing defense at all. I mean, it was like the Bears and the Ravens this year played defense and no one else in the entire NFL. So it's like, you know, I like defensive games, man. I didn't think it was bad at all. And then, uh, of course, like, look, I can't stand the Patriots. I can't stand Tom Brady. But I'm honest about (laughs) why. It's because they win too much. You know, they beat the Steelers too often. Like, I am jealous. That's why I don't like them. But,
0: like,
1: the response from the political left... (laughs) <laughs> like, on Twitter, like, trying to make the Super Bowl, like, political for some reason because, you know, Robert Kraft is good friends with Donald Trump and, you know, like, Tom Brady supported Donald Trump and they play golf together and stuff like that. So they're, they're trying to make, you know, like, the Patriots, like, political or something and they're all super pissed. And then, like, they don't like that, you know, you know they don't like – the left doesn't like white people now, so they, they don't like that, you know – the Patriots have a bunch of white players, and obviously the left doesn't like the Jews, so they don't like that. Julian Edelman, a Jew, won a, a Super Bowl MVP. But so all, all those factors kind of make it a little bit easier for me to stomach uh, the Patriots winning another Super Bowl if it just triggers the left like it so clearly did last night.
0: I mean, look, I've always been a Tom Brady fan. I mean, how can you not just love a winner? I mean, people that just win. I mean, when he Jeff beats Gordon, the Steelers every LeBron, single
1: year, well, that's how.
0: <laughs> well to be- be fair, the Steelers beat themselves, man. Ben Roethlisberger this season, all he wanted to do was beat himself. I mean, you guys got robbed. I guess was it last season in the playoff game with yeah, the, the Jesse completed James catch. to the ground catch thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean that's uh, you know you guys got robbed last season. But I mean people that people that win, I, I, I respect. Them. I mean Tom Brady, good guy, stands by his family. The thing that I like about Tom Brady, just you know tying in the politics of this, is Tom Brady and Robert Kraft are real. They were buddies with Donald Trump before Donald Trump became the president and they just have stayed buddies like you know you know neither of them are going out there being like oh man everything that Donald Trump says he's like my buddy but I mean do we really have any friend that you would stand by every single thing that they've ever said <laughs> you know said and done like you don't want to go to bat like individual like like the whole person of like the whole friendship that you spend with somebody you want to be their boy all, all these people were buddies like buddy buddy with Donald Trump before he started going into politics and I you cannot convince me that they had no idea who Donald Trump was before he was running in 2016 like people knew what he was and were are poised with them because they're you know they're cocktail party liberals and it's cool to be like in the, the cool parties and and around people that have a lot of money and I guess if you if you get the sense that like that's in jeopardy and the political winds change you dump your friends and that's crazy I mean that's just it shows who people are when the political winds change and suddenly they dump people for the sake of dumping people Tom Brady Robert Kraft, stand by their man I I appreciate that. I mean, I really do. It is. It was funny, though, when Tom was asked some political question a long time ago about Trump. He was like, yeah, me and Trump are buddies and, you know, our families at Trump Supporting Household. And Giselle was like, no, wait a minute. Let's easy their time. <laughs> so she kind of like clapped back on like SI, I think, or something. But other than that, man, I mean, great guy. Great win. I mean, I think I if he retired on that season, he'd finish the greatest of all time. I mean, he's,
1: he's going to retire in, I don't know. Twenty years, he'll he'll be playing in Super Bowls. He says he's going to play till he's forty five. I'm gonna, I'm not going to uh, doubt him. God, I, I, no, I, I'm not going to doubt him at this point, though, man. I think honestly, I think he's so yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, he plays he's for three play more years. And I, I do respect it's... that. You're right that you know the the Patriots guys they didn't throw Trump under the bus after you know when it became like the popular thing to do or whatever. And Robert Kraft, like he said, like Trump is one of his best friends. And when Robert Kraft's wife passed away a few years ago. Uh, he said that Donald Trump called him literally every week for a year. 52 straight weeks called him just to check in on him, make sure he's okay, see if he needed anything, stuff like that. I mean, they're actually close friends. I mean, they're like best friends. So, you know, yeah, I'm glad that yeah. they didn't throw him under the bus when it was, you know, convenient or whatever. So, yeah. all right, let's, uh, all right, real quick before we move on Super Bowl picks for next year. Who are we going to be watching in the Super Bowl a year from now?
0: Uh I'm gonna say Well what do you what do you got first? I mean and I'll 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 kinda of comment on that.
1: Well I I pick the Steelers out of the AFC every year. Uh this year I picked the Steelers and the Rams actually. You can look it up. I said it on the podcast. So I
0: okay that's, probably, okay. that's
1: probably the first time since the last time the Steelers won won the Super Bowl that either pick from either conference that I made actually made the Super Bowl. But uh so I looked at least half smart with my Rams pick. But uh I'll go Steelers and uh you know what? I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears because of their defense. Okay. Khalil Max a beast, and we saw obviously uh, last night the defense uh, can get you uh, to a Super Bowl. Defense does win championships. So I'm going to go with a defensive team out of the NFC, and then going up against my Steelers, and I'll pick the Steelers in a low-scoring game to win next year's Super Bowl. Okay. Boom. There you go.
0: Okay. I'm going to I'm going to take a comprehensive approach to this. I'm going to okay. say uh, with with two caveats. I'm, gonna, I'm assuming that Breeze doesn't retire. I'm assuming that Brady doesn't retire. Okay? So that being said, I'm going to say Pats win the East. I'm going to say the Steelers win the North. I'm going to say the Texans win the South. I'm going to say the Chiefs win the West. I'm saying my two wildcard teams are the Texans. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go crazy here. I'm going to say the Browns. Are my wild card teams coming from the AFC? I I'm agree. Say, I
1: agree with that. I,
0: I agree I, with you on I the break. I think Bronx. that they have a a shot at wild card, and I think that it'll come down to Kansas City playing the Steelers, and I think that Kansas City beats the Steelers in sort of a barn burner. On the NFC side, I think we get. I think that we get. Assuming that uh, have they decided if they're trading foals? Are they dealing? Foles?
1: They're talking, and this is why. Eagles? uh With your Titans pick, I was I was going to go with Jaguars as a uh a playoff team.
0: <laughs> I pick Texans. They're, Texans. They're, ta-
1: they're talking about uh trading Foles to Jacksonville.
0: Uh, oh, so that, that, oh, that would be an interesting That changes team. so much for yeah, me. Yeah, because oh, they have a no. good
1: defense. They have a good running back. If they get Nick Foles, who I think's a stud, I think Jacksonville could do some damage.
0: Oh, because it's because Jackson. Anytime Jackson. So my parents moved to Jacksonville. Anytime. Uh, uh, been to a lot of Jags games, kind of have adopted them kind of a side team, um, depending on, you know, the side NFL blackout. Piece. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, just depending on like NFL block at, blackout rules and where, where you're watching the games. But no, dude, Jacksonville, every time they play, Jacksonville is playing the other team and they're playing Blake Bortles. Like, oh, yeah, it oh, is. Yeah. They, they have many, many opponents when they're playing ball. Um, Well, that's interesting. I'll Blake, stand by the Texans. Blake but. Bortles
1: is right, why I he literally single-handedly why I always push back on conservatives with the Colin Kaepernick stuff. I'm like, look, if Blake Bortles is out of the NFL, then fine. <laughs> but if he's a starting quarterback and you're trying to tell me Colin Kaepernick can't get a job, come on.
0: <laughs> oh man, I mean, it, you know, not to not to I, I, this might piss off your listeners, but no, no, no. Look, yeah, look, I've, look, I, I pissed I'll, off my I'll listeners plenty
1: on this topic, so.
0: I mean, do you know who Tom Brady's backup was last night?
1: Uh, Hoyer.
0: Hoyer, man. If Ryan Hoyer, Hoyer. <laughs> can be a backup quarterback in the NFL, I mean, Colin Kaepernick can be a backup quarterback in the NFL. I mean, come on. Mister Butt Fumble started yeah, I mean, like
1: five games for the Redskins. Come on, man.
0: Yeah, I, Butt Fumble I guy. I I, I guess I, I guess that they don't want flat from their fan bases, but that's what it's about, man. No, this is not a talent question. Like Colin Kaepernick could make it rain and could run. You know, had kind of the scramble that Russell Wilson does, but like a little bit more, uh, like kind of herky jerky. Like it, it was a little more like he, he could juke a little better than Russell Wilson could, but he wasn't as fast as Russell Wilson. I mean, th- th- this is not that was a that was a political move, not a talent move. But anyways, um, that that is interesting for Jacksonville. That's gonna be that's gonna be a big season for them. And then I say on the NFC side, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Cowboys, Bears, Saints, Rams, and then my two wild card teams coming from that. I'm going to say Seahawks, and I'm also going to say San Francisco as much as it stinks because I'm an Atlanta Falcons guy. And I think you get from that, I think you get Saints playing the Bears, and I think that you see a Bears-Chiefs playoff.
1: It's not a bad... Those aren't those aren't bad picks. I, I think the Chiefs are going to take a step back because most second-year quarterbacks do. You know, like, they didn't have any film on... Uh, uh, I think he won the MVP, right, Mahomes? I think and he did, obviously, yeah. obviously, he had a great year, but I don't know. Now that there's a whole year of film on him, uh, you know, teams are going to be able to, uh, you know, pick up on his tendencies a little bit better. Plus, uh, I think uh, Indianapolis is going to be really, really good. And they uh, they might do some damage in the AFC too. So I could see like Steelers Colts in the AFC championship game or something like that.
0: I just see Andrew Luck is just, I mean the the reason why the chiefs didn't make it all the way this season, you know, nothing off of Tom Brady, but the, the the running back that got cut from the chiefs, I mean, they just killed him. It just absolutely killed him. They went from being a, you know, triple threat in the air with two swing backs to just being kind of like pretty flat, uh, and I think, you know, the Chiefs just couldn't couldn't really, you know, there was sort of like a sucking the air out of the room. Um, I can't even remember that guy's name. He was on my hunt. Kareem, uh, Kareem, Kareem, Kareem hunt.
1: hunt. Yeah. Toledo, University of Toledo, my hometown. I was really rooting for that guy. He was looking yeah. at like a $20 million contract. All he had to do is not beat women. And he couldn't do it. It's like, all right, we will give you.
0: I, that is one back. of those things where I just will never understand. Like I, I just These don't people understand. that are crazy wealthy and they, they just do these crazy drunken nights on the town and and hang out with you know people that they shouldn't hang out with. I, I will never for the life of me under, understand that. Like there, there's like that funny joke that like rappers they're walking around with like the one guy that has a you know an unregistered firearm. It's like what what are you, what are you doing? Why are you with that guy? Like you don't have to be with that guy anymore. You, got, <laughs> you, see the you can Kareem pay Hunt, people. Did you see the Kareem Hunt video? I I saw I, I saw a snippet of it. Like Dude, the, boys, with the woman his, in the yeah.
1: His entourage was holding him back they like his his whole crew was like dude what are you doing and like they couldn't i mean how, he's obviously a giant strong guy they like his 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 three friends were trying to hold him back and they couldn't i mean like everybody it wasn't even like you know like the situation with the unlicensed firearm or whatever is like his whole posse was like dude stop you know like they all got it you know more than this guy did but yeah oof
0: uh, yeah that's i mean horrible horrible that, that happened uh to that woman and just like Terrible for the the Chiefs fan base and, and for his teammates. I mean, just imagine, you know, it, it, it's not it's not just not just him. Like all these other guys that have worked really hard are trying to get new contracts, have a career, build families, build lives. You know, it just they, they get gutted, and the whole season's over. It's just it's terrible. So
1: yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Well, so uh, I I totally respect your picks. That's a lot there. You went way more in, in detail than I expected, but uh, yeah. So you're picking uh, Chiefs, Bears. I'm picking. Steelers Bears. We're both on the Bears. Yeah, I don't know. I just like what I saw from the Bears this year, man. Twelve. I mean, four. the quarterback
0: was amazing. That guy, that guy could make it rain.
1: I know. I thought he was gonna suck too because they yeah, they, he... picked, they picked him uh, before um, Deshaun Watson, and I was like, what the heck are they doing? You know, that was right after uh, Deshaun won uh, the national title with Clemson, and like he was a stud, and they picked this dude I've never heard of, Mitch Trubisky. It's like, what the hell are they thinking? You know, yep. I don't know. Works out. It worked out for both sure. teams, I guess, but. right but uh you know along the the lines of you know all these nfl guys have to do to you know make tens of millions of dollars is to not beat women all the democratic party has to do um to win elections all the time is not be absolutely insane um they can't do it either so let's jump into how's that for a transition ladies and gentlemen Uh, oh man only on the no gimmicks podcast but let's talk about virginia governor ralph northam um this news broke right after i uploaded last wednesday's podcast per the usual um The Virginia State Assembly was debating a bill. I I don't know where it is. I think it's still in committee. I don't know if it's going to pass or not. But that would basically make partial birth abortion legal, um, lift most restrictions on full-term abortions, stuff like that. Just really sick, evil, evil stuff. And then the governor, Ralph Northam, who campaigned as a moderate. Let's remember, he campaigned as like the I'm-not-a-crazy-Democrat kind of guy. He went—and—sorry, I'll get there in a second. This man was a— pediatrician by <laughs> literally pediatrician you can't make cannot make this stuff up anyway Ralph Northam goes a step further and basically says he's fine with post birth abortion he is he is he came out and endorsed infanticide full stop saying when there's a botched partial birth abortion they, they the doctor should just put the baby the you know living breathing crying baby aside keep it comfortable and then decide whether or not to abort it, which at that point, even if you are pro-choice, this is just an infant. You're just, you're just, I don't, how would you perform that abortion? Shoot it? Like, I, what do you do to just a, you know, a completely independent person? Um, th- this was just.
0: I suppose like more morphine. I mean, I, I got from what he was saying, like the kind of the keep your comfort, keep them comfortable is, you know, kind of the same thing of, you know, late life kind of stuff with like a little extra zip of morphine. That's I thought that he was making an, an analogy.
1: Right. Right.
0: So gross.
1: L- g- but gross, it, I but thought that y- that was kind of right. 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 Yeah. yeah. I think you're right about that. And so, OK, this is a quote unquote moderate Democratic governor of a southern state um, endorsing infanticide. Um, just just take us through that, Tyler. What what do you make of this?
0: Yeah. So I don't know if you saw it at all last night during the, the Super Bowl, but I, I, you know, I was kind of looking and I, I really just didn't see any anybody taking a knee uh, for him to resign, or Adam Adam Levine standing on the stage calling for it, or Big Boy, or any of those people, or any commentators, or any players. I mean, it's just it's just so, so odd. A, a whole a whole segment of the population that was that we were taking a knee about you know all these you know, cries of racism and and intolerance in America, uh, and, and and suddenly there is a there's a clear example of photographed blackface of which the governor not only doesn't really recant, he admits and apologizes to doing it, then comes back 24 hours later with a press conference that basically was this weird like, I have not done blackface in that photo, but I've done it before (laughs) kind of thing. And it just, I just, I love the hypocrisy of all of it It just makes sense. It it really just shows that it really is only like, like your team, our team, and not like in principle, I'm opposed to racism. It's it's just like, oh, like that their racism's bad, but we can like we're not we, we don't have to be principled on that. I mean, could you imagine if every player with the biggest T V audience in the whole world got on TV when they were interviewed and said, Oh, by the way, I think Ralph Northam should resign. They huh.
1: should have.
0: Wouldn't that have been, been- it would that been, have been powerful.
1: It would have been powerful, and I didn't even get to the blackface stuff. I was still on the infanticide comments. Oh, but, sorry. But no, 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 I, no I got, it's, good. I got it's good. Okay, so
0: back to back to the infanticide. <laughs> so here's the here's the thing. Here's the here's the thing with like with third trimester abortion is 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 bananas. It's absolutely Looney Tune leftism at its absolute worst. I refuse to accept the premise that third trimester abortion is ever really necessary without it being at Absolute crisis point with the health of the mother. Of which case, there are a ton, a ton of options in the third trimester. I know this because my mother had very, very serious health complications with my baby brother, who was born a preemie of uh, a couple, many, not many weeks, but but a couple of weeks pre- premature, had to be in in NICU for a while. Like there, there are options in third trimester. And another thing that people just don't know is that America is the most extreme on abortion. In other countries in the world, I mean, in Ireland, they had to have a whole uh, countrywide referendum because 20-week abortion was the absolute maximum for abortion in their country. We, you know, we have, like, little fun debates about when life begins in the second trimester. Like, the we, we live in a really, really weird world about, about abortion. And secondly, when you think about the statistics surrounding abortion, there have been many, many statistics that suggest that, like, most women, to the tune of, like, the higher 60s, would never get an abortion themselves and many women consider abortion immoral but want to like uh, keep the option available but many believe that beyond the first trimester is, is too far. It's it's too it's too extreme. Which means that we as a nation need to be moving towards less abortions and let's let's come up with have conversations about how we can have less abortions, whether that's sex education of which people have different opinions, whether that's access to birth control of which people have different opinions. like Those are debates and interesting debates, and we should be having those debates. If we're having a de- debate about third trimester abortion, we're going in the opposite direction. We're literally turning around and running back towards Roe v. Wade in deeper than we've ever gone before uh, in American history. and it, it's, it baffles my mind that not only like would you want to just run in the face of history, but you would want to just steer the conversation conversation in such a perverted way, it just makes you believe and, and, and shows that this is a money-making thing. This is about making money in the abortion industry and and, and maybe not so much like protecting women, but protecting this idea of like this concept of we are the left, we protect women, and that's that's the end of the conversation. And, and I, I, for the life of me, I'll never understand it because it is the exact opposite of the debate that we need to be having. Certainly the opposite of the debate about protecting life and protecting women.
1: Right, I, I absolutely agree with everything you just said, and um, some of the language in and we don't know if this uh, full term abortion bill is going to pass in um, in Virginia, uh, but similar bills have already passed in Rhode Island and New York, um, and the language is ridiculous because it's not, uh, you know, you know, you can only have a third term abortion if the life of the mother is at stake or something like that, which I think some people would agree with, but. It's the health of the mother. And then in, in the New York bill, um, the, the verbiage of the mental health of the mother is at stake. And uh, my wife and I were at my parents' house to watch Super Bowl last night. And I was explaining this to my mom. She's like, mental health? Like, mental health? Like, yeah. Like, if, the, if having kids is going to stress you out, you can kill it at nine months. Like, have you met a mother before? Like, yeah. Or have you met a father? Like, yeah. They're stressed out all the time. For, like, you know, 18 years. (laughs) Like, that's just, that's like being a parent. And like you said, there's really no medical reasons to have an abortion in the third trimester. Typically, if if it's a health concern, you can just have a C-section, and the kid's going to survive. I mean, me, for instance, I was born six weeks early, and my lungs didn't work, and I was on a, a, you know, a breathing machine for a month or something like that. And I'm fine. You know, like, these things happen, you know, and I was born six weeks early. So it's, yeah, it's... there's no—this is anti-science. I mean, the, the Democrats claim to be the party of science, but this is completely anti-science. And then you—let's uh, just jump into 48 hours later. So let's jump to last Friday when a photo surfaced from Ralph Northam's uh, yearbook when he was in med school, which I did not know, you know, colleges, let alone med schools, had yearbooks. It's kind of weird. But um, of him in either a Klansman— suit and hood, or uh, in blackface. <laughs> he was one of the two gentlemen pictured. Uh, he didn't really specify which one. He apologized. He uh, you know, said, I'm so sorry. I want to heal this and be a part of the solution. Blah, blah, blah. Racism's bad. And then, like you said, he comes out the very next day and walks it back and says, no, that wasn't me in the photo. But I did dress in blackface another time to imitate Michael Jackson. But I'm not resigning. And I'm going to ask my wife if I should moonwalk on stage right now. Like, it was it was an absolute shit show. I think Jim Garrity over at National Review summed it up best on Twitter, called, calling that press conference uh, weapons-grade bullshit. So what do you make of his, his denial after the apology, his attempted walking back of this? Like this is just—this is an absolute nightmare. I don't know who is advising this man, but they need to be fired immediately.
0: Yeah, so— I, for the life of me, never understood number one the denial, number two the the bizarre press conference. I mean, he clearly said that he did it and then held a press conference to say say that he did not, which makes me believe that he realized that he would be bankrupt his, the rest of his life and unemployable, right. and he decided well, the pictures are the pictures are too vague and it it's too dark, so it's hard to kind of like uh see which one is which because obviously in the one face, I mean his face is completely black, and in the other one it's a uh in a hood, so I mean, number one, no idea what was going on at that med school pretty bizarre there are a lot of <laughs> a lot of way, a lot of weird stuff he uh, was
1: twenty five years old I mean this was not a high school yearbook when he was sixteen or whatever he was a twenty five year old doctor (laughs) at this when he was dressing up like a Klansman. But sorry, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead.
0: No, I mean, I I just same boat. It's just sort of like, you know, I I went to I went to law school. I we had parties or whatnot. And I can tell you affirmatively that that never happened at UVA or (laughs) anything that was remotely like it. And I can I can tell you with some assurance that if you did that in law school, many, many, many people even 40 years ago would look at you like, N- no, that, that's not going to, that's not going to fly. Um, but I mean the, 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 sad loser in all this is Ed Gillespie. I mean, we went from a guy that, uh, you know, the Republicans nominated a guy that was a, you know, for all, you know, intents in and purposes is a good man. I mean, Ed Gillespie was a good man. He was a lobbyist in DC. He ran as a, a moderate Republican, in, in Virginia, and he got just trashed throughout the throughout the election for being a racist. Just just trashed for absolutely not for, no reason, not for any reason, not for any good evidence like these vague kind of like insinuations or saying the fact that he wanted to police like he had an ad that basically said that Ralph Northam doesn't want to police MS-13 and I'm going to. And people are like, oh, that's racist. That, that's a that's a dog whistle to Republican voters that you're gonna round up Mexicans and, and deport them, which is which is just not true. Um so, so they they trash this guy to the, the public, which by the way, just just a side note that I that I just love to harp on in politics, is that these journalists will just go out and just drop these little insinuations of something and then walk away. Like drop a little grenade, blow up someone's life, and then walk away. Like everything that we've seen with the, the Nick Sandman kid right. who uh protest you know he was just standing there and now his, his life's ruined like people people don't double back and are like hey whatever happened to that kid you know like oh the story was untrue oh man i can stop hating that kid they're like no, no that kid's dead to me and when i see him in the street i'm gonna punch him in the face because he's a nazi like that's that's what happens and people don't people don't get that like when you go and you're you know you search ed gillespie you're gonna find insinuations that he was a, a racist online with little you know with little coming back to that you know all the stuff that happened with kavanaugh also like with people not coming back to that I'm apologizing with, you know with Ed, oh, I'm with sorry. Ed
1: Gillespie too what I've noticed this week um from the left is they're conflating they're conflating Ed Gillespie and Corey Stewart who is the Republican that's, that, that's
0: okay so I was gonna, that that say, yeah, I was gonna say that, the too, Senate, that guy's right. a lunatic yeah right like that guy's actually a lunatic but and which which by the way just comes back to how the Re- the Republican Party in Virginia needs to get its act together and and recalibrate the party system because they have that weird convention voting thing I don't know if you're super familiar with it but it's it's like a weird way that they vote. It's like kind of super delegate E. Um, but yeah, it produces lunatics, um, sometimes. So yeah, I don't know. I, I found it to be really frustrating. I, I think the hypocrisy is going to be shown. And I imagine that, well, it seems as though that big league politics has done Ralph Northam a service by implying that the Lieutenant governor had a sexual assault allegation covered up by the Washington post which,
1: Which I saw yeah. that. I read these reports. I don't know if it's true. I haven't seen. Where is that? Where are we right now with that story?
0: So where we're at with that story is it would seem in 2004, I believe, uh, the lieutenant governor uh, had an incident that happened where it was implied that there was a sexual assault that took place. The Washington Post during the campaign tried to vet that particular circumstance and couldn't find enough evidence to publish it in good faith during the election uh, as to not sway the election. The reason why Republicans are mad is is because obviously, you know, they didn't feel, you know, Washington Post didn't feel bad about publishing the Kavanaugh stuff uh, because he's a, you know, he's as an R by his name in their minds uh, without, you know, enough evidence. And so they're kind of like, well, it doesn't really matter if there's enough evidence you should publish, you know, whatever you, got anyways, because you're more than happy to publish it in this instance.
1: Right, right. I mean, that's if, if this guy was a, a Republican, they would have immediately, they would have published it on anonymous sources or whatever they had, they would have published it. Oh, by, by the way, I want to get back to the, the Ed Gillespie team, but I, I have to jump back. I totally forgot. I have to jump back to the Super Bowl real quick. You mentioned the Washington Post. The worst part of last night was that awful, self-righteous self-aggrandizing, abomination of a Washington Post Super Bowl commercial. That was—the the, press—do do they not know why we all hate them? Like, do, 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 do they really not—there's nothing worse than the press— I'm sorry to be crude, but I have to go there. The, that, I... that commercial was literally the Washington Post getting that rib removal surgery so they could suck their own dicks. That, that was that commercial. Is, there's, is there anything worse than the press— just massaging the press. Like, oh, it's just so gross. And they spent over $5 million on this ad.
0: For the life of me, I will never understand, never understand why journalists in this country feel like they have to pat themselves on the back and talk about everything that they're doing to protect, like, protect themselves on the back. Pat themselves on hom- the back is a much better
1: way to put it than how I just put it, so thank you. I'll, we'll, we'll go with yeah, that. Yeah, and no, i I, I'm,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will... Yeah, I'll, I'll sign on. To, I'll sign on to pat on the back. <laughs> but the, I apologize, uh, everybody.
1: Was, I, you, you guys know you what said, you're you getting on the show. That,
0: that was like that was Marilyn Manson, right?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. They went. Yeah, the yeah. Washington Post went full Marilyn Manson last night.
0: Yeah, I. Uh, so, yeah, I, I. I for the look. I've been to China. I've I've been to you know other countries in the world that have. People that practice, you know, quote-unquote journalism and are under a type of scrutiny that people in this country would break under. There are people that have been imprisoned in countries all over the world for writing things that were contrary to the government. Whether or not they knew that they did or not at the time, they were imprisoned later. A regime right, changes, right. they were they're imprisoned later. I think – I'm p- pretty sure Obama is the only president in modern history that has jailed a journalist. Yes, uh, sure. And I also believe that it's kind of it's – not, it's not that what they – what they do isn't important, but when I see people that you know practice "quote unquote" journalism in this country that spend all their day on Twitter throwing out these little quips, these little ideas, and not like talking to sources or saying, "Hey, you know, I've got a source that says X or a source that says Y," and like vetting like serious journalism about what's going on in this country and what, what's actually happening, I I, kinda, I I lose a lot of sympathy when people just troll you because in situations like now where we see, you know, the Washington Post realizes that, ah, oh, there wasn't enough evidence. You know, there, there wasn't a lot of evidence on the Kavanaugh thing. It came down to a a in-person trial of sorts in the public domain in Congress deciding whether or not a guy was going to be on the Supreme Court for an alleged incident a long time ago that no one could verify who was there. No one could verify if they knew each other. No one could verify anything. And and that, that to me shows just a, an utter lack of seriousness. In journalism, and it's it's become this subjective, very one-sided attack. And when you do it from one way, the other way is gonna do it back. And when it gets more and more serious, it's just gonna kind of weapons grade go up. No one is gonna put their arms away and walk away. And so if if everything's like gotcha activism journalism, uh you know, I I don't really feel sympathetic. And, And 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 another thing too, when you don't actually like carry a gun and go in the field protecting the United States of America, I feel really weird when you show photos and video of D-Day and then wrap your, you know, wrap a flag around you and say, but I practice the First Amendment. It's like, what? Like, it's it's just a weird, it's weird.
1: It's gross. It was gross. It was like, the fact that so many people had to sign off on that ad, you know what I mean? It's like nobody along the way said, wow, maybe we have absolutely no self-awareness here. Maybe we shouldn't run this ad.
0: And and in an age where they're canning, I mean, they're all... these publications are just canning journalists left and right. I mean, BuzzFeed dropping a bunch of people, Vice is dropping a bunch of people. I mean, five million bucks could hire a couple people for a handful of years. I mean, I'm not really understanding what the the paradigm here is that they were like, oh, man, like people people really need this message. It's just it's bizarre.
1: It is utterly bizarre. bizarre. It is bizarre. And I want to make one more quick point on the uh, we brought up Ed Gillespie. I don't know who his team—look, I've worked on a handful of campaigns before, and I've actually done a little bit, not much, just a little bit of uh, opposition research myself um, <laughs> for a candidate once. Who, Whoever was his oppo research team, are, are they the worst campaign staff of all time? I mean, the worst. Are they, are they the worst opposition research team in history? There's literally a blackface photo <laughs> of your opponent on the internet. And they couldn't find it. It's just, just as somebody who's worked on campaigns, that's just offensive to me.
0: I, I will never understand why they didn't find. I mean, it's in a yearbook. It's, it's in, it's in a yearbook. I mean, you didn't, you didn't talk to any of his classmates. Hey, man, what was, what was, uh, what was Ralph like in med school? Any like blackface or anything? Went to this party, you know. (laughs) You know how it is—just the occasional blackface party, pretty, pretty casual. He was, you know, he really was into a stethoscope. I mean, come on, man.
1: Couple beers, blackface, talked about murdering kids. Yeah, just a typical, you know, college party.
0: Well, I'm I'm unsure. He actually might have been more into wearing the Klan outfit. I I can't remember, (laughs) for the life of me. (laughs) Unbelievable, but I mean, you're exactly right. They, those people should. Uh, never, never work again in, in <laughs> politics. So
1: he—he's not going to survive very much longer. Ralph Northam, is he? I mean, there's no way. Most of the Democratic Party and the entire Republican Party is calling for him to resign. Nancy Pelosi is calling for him to resign. Kamala Harris, uh, a lot of these prominent
0: Democrats. There's no way he survives this, right? You know, it's—it's it's one of those things you, you think that, and then uh, something, you know, just something might happen. And new news story happens and it blows over and he announces something and people come to his aid. I mean, politics makes the strangest little bedfellows, depending on on what your politics are. You know, he comes out and and says, hey, we're we're directing this this abortion bill to the floor and I'm going to sign it. I, you know, Planned Parenthood might come to his defense. Oh, you know, we all, all it takes is one person to come out and say, you know, I met with Ralph. He gave a very compelling argument about how it's not him. Uh, we can't confirm anybody met him at that party or seen him at that party. We don't know who the people are in the photos. We did facial recognition stuff, and we can't. You know, we, it doesn't. It doesn't turn up a positive result for Ralph. We're going to stand by our man, and then and then everybody's calls quiet because no one can stand by their their convictions in modern American politics. And then then he just stays there and sits quietly. I mean, the governor he doesn't have to worry about reelection. You know, in Virginia, it's a single term governor. Right. Um, or
1: or maybe the Democrats will just make the decision that, uh, you know, infanticide is more valuable to them than racism. So maybe, yeah, who knows, like maybe yeah. that's the metric that they're going to follow. One more point before I let you go, Tyler, and I, I take sure. no, no pleasure in punching right. Obviously, I have to sometimes on this show. I have to call him like, like I see him, but I don't take any pleasure in punching right. And I've beat up Bill Kristol, the former editor at large and co-founder of the Weekly Standard, quite a bit. On the show, um, but Bill Kristol donated money to the Ralph Northam gubernatorial campaign because mm-hmm. he hated Trump so much. Trump endorsed Ed Gillespie, and Bill Crystal, I don't know, he was so drunk on his hatred of this president that he literally donated money to a radical, racist, abortion enthusiast post-birth abortion enthusiast. I, this has really been stuck in my craw all week, and this, this point has really been glossed over. I haven't really seen anybody or not many people certainly talking about this from this angle. Bill Kristol needs to be held accountable for this, for this speech. I mean, political donations are, are speech, right? He's He's endorsing mm-hmm. this governor's policies. Why is no one holding his feet to the fire saying, explain that check that you wrote, bro? Like, you wrote a check to this man. Are you going to explain that? Are you going to maybe take a step back and say, oof, I've made some wrong decisions along the way. Like, maybe I need to evaluate my own decision-making process, figure out why I keep making these mistakes, figure out why I, I'm so drunk on hatred of one man that I will endorse and and donate to somebody like Ralph Northam. Some, Bill Kristol needs to be held accountable for this. He ne- he absolutely, enough is enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, well, I mean, I, you know, the weekly standard folding, I think, is one way that he was held accountable. I mean, I, you know, they've started uh, the Bulwark site, which has basically been more of a, uh, it's been pretty heavy on the hit pieces of Republican figures and trying to, and trying to attack kind of grifters in the space, which I, you know, I applaud. I'm happy to see that. Right, right. But at the same time, I, yeah. I, for the life of me, have never understood pieces that are to the effect of I'm leaving the Republican Party and here's why. And 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 here's why I find that to be such a bizarre thing to do is because where where are you going to go? Like, what, what are you going to do? Like, you have to support one way or the other. And one team, you know, might be like harboring kind of like weird alt-right whatever. And then the other team harbors like weird, like alt-left, you know, people that do all all the weird anti-Semitic stuff that doesn't make any sense. I mean, there are weird fringes of both parties, but, like, the tenet of both parties is what you're voting for. Like, when I vote for a Republican candidate, I'm not I'm voting for, like, Donald Trump saying grab or by the whatever. Like, that's not what I'm doing. I'm voting for smaller government, lower taxes, the right, you know, the right to life, like, the you know, criminal justice reform. Like, that's what I'm voting for when I vote Republican. I'm not, I don't vote the other team because I don't – I think the other team thinks that they can do, you know – they, they're better when they're in control. They're better when the government is bigger. They're better when they can, they can uh, control your money, control what you do with your life. They think that they can organize society in a way that, that I, don't, I don't think is correct. And that's why I vote Republican. So I, I've never understood the kind of like very personal approach that, that, that the Bill Crystals of the world take to American politics because it's, it's so weird. Like me donating you know $100 to Ralph Northam is not donating to get Ralph Northam. I'm donating to get re- uh, progressive politics in office. That's what I'm doing. Like Donald Trump is not the guy that's running the whole show. Like we can, we can think that and that's cute, but like Donald Trump appointed a dozen, you know, a dozen people to head up a group that heads up hundreds of other people that are implementing Republican strategy, which is why you've seen the admin state reduced, which is why you saw taxes reduced, which is why you're seeing, you know, environmental regulation reform. Which is why you're seeing businesses coming back to America. It's why you're seeing, uh, different like trade deals, with with different countries that are that are being reorchestrated like donald trump is not sitting in a meeting with like 50 nerds that are economics people discussing stuff with china like he might get a little briefing of it but but we keep forgetting that there's one guy in the room uh that's handling that and and then there's, there's a whole army that's implementing a policy and an idea and voting for the idea is is problematic and for me when you see oh actually ralph northam was pretty soft on abortion and we never really saw that because republicans are too scared to grill Democrats in the public space on abortion, lest they look like they're anti-woman, then it's like, oh no, I'm going to give I'm going to give that to the progressive agenda, which supports that, and that to me is just really gross.
1: Right. President Trump is a moment in time. That's it. They all are. Ronald Reagan was a moment in time. Calvin Coolidge, as great as he was, was just a moment in time. I mean, the conservative movement, the conservative values and policies are what you vote for, right? And you're absolutely exactly. right about that. And I. There was obviously there's there's levels to the the never Trump side of the right. You know, there's like the the Ben Shapiro and and Jonah Goldberg and these guys that were you know we're not going to vote for him in 2016. We don't think he's earned my vote. We'll we'll see about it in 2020. We'll see. And I respect that. Like I I don't think. And it, but Bill Crystal's something totally different. And then there's a there's like a stage five never Trump, which is like Max Boot and Jen Rubin who've just said, Yeah, we're just we're leftists now <laughs> I mean they're just like yeah. they just I don't even think they were, you know, conservatives to begin with. They, you know, if you just change your entire political ideology because you don't like somebody, you probably weren't a conservative to begin with. But
0: you know Well Max Boot had that weird piece where he was like, Oh, I've actually had to like really reconcile with like my actual viewpoints on issues and I for the first time have like thought about my principles. and it's like, dude, what? you've been writing for 20 <laughs> yeah. something years. You're just now thinking about your principles. Oh my gosh, man. people have been reading your crap. So I that guy, that guy upsets me.
1: I hope that other people, I hope that we can use this Ralph Northam situation and and with Bill Crystal literally donating money to him. I really sincerely hope. That this is a wake up call for a lot of people on the never Trump right. And I hope fellow like never Trump people like a, like a, I need like a Jonah Goldberg to call out Bill Kristol for this. You know what I mean? I, it's not good enough for for the rest of the conservative movement to do it like people with that same disposition need to realize, OK, we got to stop. We got to stop this. This is crazy. We've gone too far. We've messed up, and I, I did not fault anybody that didn't. I don't know if you voted for Trump or not in 2016. I don't think I've ever asked you that, but um, I, I did not fault. I did not think it was a binary choice in 2016 because Trump was such an unknown. You know, like he was such an outsider. Mm-hmm. He, I did vote for him, but I did not fault the Never Trumpers in 2016 because I'm like, well, who knows? He could. Get in there, be way out of his depth, and totally screw up. And you know, we really don't know where he stands on a lot of these positions, other than like the campaign talking points. So I did not feel that it was a binary choice in 2016. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I do think it is shaping up to be a binary choice in 2020. I mean, look at the. You talked about the fringes of the the right and the fringes of the left. The fringes of the left are becoming the mainstream platform of the Democratic Party. I mean, late term abortion, openly socialist policy. You know, a green new deal, which would cost fifty trillion. You know, uh, uh,
0: just Medicare generally, just generally anti-Semitic. I mean,
1: yes, anti-Semitism running like real rambo. casual, yeah, yes, just casual
0: anti-Semitism. It's I, weird.
1: And I, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm there to just throw out a blanket statement like all conservatives should vote Trump in twenty twenty. But I'm getting real close to making that blanket statement, Tyler. I'm getting very close because I do feel it is shaping up to be. A, a binary choice like one we haven't seen in a very long time.
0: Yeah, I, I'm very interested to see what the, the messaging is going to be, because I, you know, a lot of people are writing off the Howard Schultz candidacy, the guy that was the CEO of Starbucks, uh, for people that haven't seen it yet. Right. The, he's running as an independent because he doesn't want to go through the democratic primary process, which why in the world you would subject yourself to do, to that, where Even if you even if you win all the states like superdelegates can still kind of spin it and move the momentum around. I mean, that's that's insane. But anyways, I I think a guy like that has has it exactly right right now that's saying, hey, look, like there are a lot of people that are not like radical lefty people that see demonizing people that make money, people that have like built businesses. And I mean, I just I would love to see someone convince me with some sort of moral or, you know, deeply religious or even just sort of a civil society perspective argument that says why it is that at any marginal tax rate, the government earns 50% plus of your time. How is that possible? Like if, if you're if you're living your life, you know, up to a million, you know, you're 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 getting 40, you know, 60% of your time is your own time. 40% of the time is is, is back into the society. I mean, maybe, maybe that's compelling, but when it gets up to the the, the dollars between, you know, 10 million and 50 million, how, how is that suddenly 80% the governments? I, I just will not understand that. Like, why, why would you do anything? Why would you make that kind of money? Well, you wouldn't. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, just, it's just sort of weird.
1: It's something like 30% of millionaires living in France have left France in the last 10 years yeah. because their marginal tax rates are so high. There's no more millionaires, let alone billionaires in France. And their economy is in in shambles because of it. I mean, like this, and you're right. Just the morality of it all, that that level of taxation is just akin to slavery. I mean, you're just, you're a slave to the state, you know. And it, it's right. there, there's absolutely no moral uh, just justification for these policies. But with, with with Howard Schultz, he's an interesting guy. I mean, I like Howard Schultz. He just has absolutely no chance to win, you know. I just don't. It's not. I'm glad he's running because I'm glad. That he's adding more discourse, you know, to the conversation, to the national conversation. Same way, I'm glad Tulsi Gabbard is running. I'm not as isolationist as she is. She wants to, you know, pull the troops out of everywhere, and I don't agree with that. But I'm glad she's saying those things because, you know, we should be having those conversations. I think it adds to the the public discourse. But I just don't think it's gonna it's gonna come down to, you know, a Schultz might win five percent of the vote, ten percent of the vote, something like that. But it's still gonna be Trump running against a socialist. And it's going to be a binary choice.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, if Bernie Sanders runs, Bernie Sanders, it'll be it'll be a Bernie Sanders. And then the whoever you know beats out the slugfest between like a Biden, Harris, Warren situation, just because they, they have all the dollars. And then and, and then there'll be Schultz who, who peels off moderate Democrats. Because if you I mean, there are polls that I saw today that was like 60 percent think that the Democratic Party is too is too leftist and needs to be a, a be more moderate. I mean, all it takes is people just peeling off of the Democratic Party and they lose. I mean, there's there was some statistic I saw a long time ago that if a Republican was ever able to win 17 percent of the black vote, then it wouldn't even be a close president presidential election ever. Right. Like it, it, it requires, you know, 90 percent percent of the black vote going to Democrats. It requires, you know, significant numbers of women going to Democrats for them to win. Peeling off any of that and it's it, it's not going to be, it's not going to be close. Trump Trump will will smash because, I mean, really all it boils down to really is, what, like Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan and, and Wisconsin? Florida. I mean, every other state's basically locked Oh, and Florida. But I mean, every other state's basically locked in. I mean.
1: Or too small to make a difference, like, you know, New Hampshire is a swing state. Nevada can go either way, right. but they you know they don't have enough electoral votes to really do anything.
0: And Republicans never spend any money in those states either. I yeah, mean, we no. I, I don't think Republicans spend any money in in two hundred twenty sixteen in Nevada. I mean, it was all just sort of like running on on who Trump is. I mean, and that, and that's the great thing for him too. I mean, he didn't have to spend any money. So people people are just going to either go to actively vote for him or actively vote against him. Like no one's no one's going to be like, oh my god, I need to research the candidates. So.
1: So, uh, one more question before I let you go. I ask everybody, who wins the Democratic nomination?
0: Uh, for the people that are in right now...
1: Or or the people that you expect to get in. Like, Joe Biden isn't in now, but I expect him to be. You know, the, all those kind of folks.
0: Um, I would... Uh, I would like to believe if Biden gets in, Biden wins. I think if biden doesn't get in i think that you could very easily see i, I think i think you could easily see a Gillibrand. brand really yeah i think hmm. she doesn't she doesn't have to can't she doesn't have to campaign in new york which makes it easy um you know cause just the name recognition alone it's just it's just easy so she, she saves a ton of money of like just getting people excited about her obviously going against harris who comes with california that's a little something Warren Warren has been dead since the DNA test. She has no, she has <laughs> no chance. I think that Tulsi Gabbard will be, I mean, she's already being smashed by the left as like an alt writer somehow, yeah, um, right. which is very, which is very interesting to me, but I have not like got into that too much, but she's already, she's going to be just sort of beat up on for that. You know, obviously John Delaney, no one, no one cares about that guy insane same with Castro. And Bouttier or whatever his name is, and yeah,
1: I was I was going to I was going to say, Tyler, you don't think yeah. that the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, has it has a chance?
0: Yeah, no, to you no, he's not.
1: Chance. You know, he's not gonna
0: he's not gonna <laughs> make it make it out this round. Um, I agree I with Corey you Booker on Biden. Himself.
1: Oh, Cory Booker's just the worst. Well, Cory Booker's just yeah. a less intelligent, less charismatic Kamala Harris. So it's just very unfortunate for him. You <laughs> like if Kamala Harris wasn't yeah. running, he may have a chance. But he's just he's just not as bright as Harris, not as talented as Harris, and is weirder than Harris, you know, just the, Wait,
0: just he just... killed himself with the Spartacus thing. It's just oh. so, it's so weird. It's like, stop, dude. You're, you're, you're like, this is not your big, you know, TV. We're, just, we're not, we're not on TV. You know, we're not, we're not making a movie. You know, your your goal is to interview this candidate and determine whether they're fit to sit on the Supreme Court. Like, this is not a courtroom. You're not cross examining them. And both him and both, both him and Harris were just sort of like pretending that it was this like, Cross examination. It was. It. it wasn't. It, it's. It's weird. The American people, at the end of the day, don't like that. Like the activists and people that go march and stuff. Maybe they do, but the average guy that goes to work, that comes home, that sits there with his wife in front of the tv you know, the TV, and they make a meal and they're just trying to make ends meet. People hate that. People hate that, that. kind of bad faith approach. I, I. I don't. I don't see that being valuable. You know, one. One person I actually would be interested to see, Andrew Yang. I've I've been following him because he is sort of a venture capitalist kind of guy Never heard that name. believes in the mm-hmm. Yeah, so he he's in the race. Uh you know, obviously a small candidate. He was one of the first people to announce. I think he's the first Asian American to ever uh run. Uh so that's also that's also pretty interesting because because the, one thing that people don't uh follow too closely, and I I view this to be kinda like because of a little bit of, you know, unsaid racism on the left, is like Asian-Americans are a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger voting blo- block every single year. And their priorities are very sophisticated. They're, I mean, obviously, you know, their median wealth is like $82,000 a year. Like, they they are impactful on elections. They show up to vote. Like, and I, I don't know. Like, he, he has a lot of very interesting ideas about universal basic income that I've written about. Um, I have, I have personally taken the stance that universal basic income is, is crazy. The politicians need to be doing something about it. And if they don't, it's basically the only thing that we can do as automation replaces, uh, different, you know, tech spheres and whole job sectors. Um, and he's the only guy that's talking about that. And I think he's going to be, if he is able to hold on financially, I mean, young guy running around already campaigning all over Iowa. If he can create a blip on the radar and get on the debate stage, I, I think he might smash some of these people on a debate stage. I mean, some of these people are going to embarrass themselves. Booker's going to embarrass him
1: oh, himself. Oh, that—that's the thing. That it, none of these candidates, aside from you know Joe Biden, uh, and and maybe a couple others, are very good in, in a debate. I mean, Kamala Harris is not going to be great in a debate. Cory Booker is going to step all over himself. Elizabeth Warren. I mean, yeah. you know, come on. Even Gillibrand, like, she's she's no good in a debate. So it's, like, it, it is yes. going to be a, an absolute shit show when, once it comes debate time. Also, I I, I really wish the, the DNC would restructure um, the primary system into, like, uh, like, the Sweet 16 in college basketball, where there's, like, four brackets. You know, we'll have, like, the black bracket, and then the socialist bracket, and then the establishment bracket, and then, like, the anti-Semitic bracket. So it would be, like, Cory oh okay. Booker, Kamala Harris, like, quoting rap lyrics and stuff like that to each other, like, to see who's, like, the most black. Maybe Andrew Gillum gets in there. And then, like, the the socialist bracket. It's like, oh, I'm a socialist. Like, oh, yeah? Well, I'm a communist. You're a communist. Well— Oh, yeah, well, I have Mao tattooed on my neck. You know, it would be like the most communist oh, will come gosh. out of that bracket. And then it would be like the establishment. That's just whoever can raise the most money, obviously, and, then, you know, will come out of that bracket. And then it's like the anti-Semites. It's like, well, I want to kill Jews. Well, I want to kill more Jews. Well, I want to kill all the Jews. And the person that says I want to kill all the Jews will come out of that bracket, and then we'll have the final four out of each bracket. I think that would be a much more entertaining way to, uh, to navigate the system.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always thought I've always thought the primary game was was really kind of odd. I mean, You're just I, I brushing that,
1: over all the ridiculous stuff I just said, by the way. No, I, no, I No, I really I, I, no it's good. No, I, it's, no, it's good. <laughs> I, I applaud I, I that. I the, applaud that.
0: <laughs> no, but but like in a, in a similar vein, I think it's got to be if if I, I think the Republicans should do this too because they, they kill every candidate having to you know Iowa great place, I'm sure a lot of great people. New Hampshire great place, I'm sure a lot of great people. South Carolina great people. I know that I know. The, those people but like you know for the life of me i will never understand iowa new Hampshire, south carolina you gotta swing really far to the left or swing really far to the right then you got to kind of become like a a weird moderate then you got to kind of come back to kind of like southern republican which is you know which is kind of sort of a different little little animal and then if you survive that you know you know make it make it to super tuesday but it's like what are we really doing like if we're if if we did it better more efficiently and we took a lot of money out of politics, what we should do is it's sort of a bracket approach like you're talking about, but have four dates where you have your kind of like rust belt. Then you have your kind of like New England primary, your southern primary, and then you go out west. That way, every every state gets attention. Every state gets attention kind of in a in a way that you have to go and you have to campaign in that state. I guarantee you no candidate ever has walked into Montana and talked to voters. No. I I mean, I why would they do that? They have they have no in- Incentive to do that. No Republican has any incentive to go to New York, like they they have no incentive to do so. Like New York is going to be impactful, but you know they go to a cocktail party in Manhattan, they talk to the you know the smoke filled rooms there, and they kind of pick who the Republican is going to be that they they kind of endorse. I mean, it's it's weird, you know. Well, I guarantee you, not many candidates have been to Louisiana in a while or Mississippi. They, these people have to go and campaign there. That we the American people need to be invested. Whole cities in this country are being gutted it out because their voice is not being heard in Washington, and, and presidents need to go there. They need to talk to people. Driving through, I mean, you you you've probably seen it, man. You drive through whole parts of the Midwest, you drive through whole parts of the South. Whole towns gone. People people's homes just like abandoned because people are dying from opioids and having to move out. And they don't have the they don't have the income. They got to move. I mean, that's that's crazy. We need presidents that go and see people where they're at, talk to them, learn what they care about, and run for office. This this weird like let's go to Iowa. And then we go to New Hampshire, and that picks that picks the king. That's right, crazy. right? And, absolutely crazy.
1: And Iowa and New Hampshire are interesting too, because if you look at the the demographics in both of those states, the the Democrats in each one of those states are extremely far left, and the Republicans are extremely far right. And that doesn't really in New Hampshire. I, I mentioned this on the on the last podcast. The, in New Hampshire, especially, like the Republicans in New Hampshire are like the live free or die libertarians. You, you know, and then like the the uh both sides in in Iowa are like kind of big government but hard to one side or the other because they're all farmers and the the farm subs, subsidies and all this stuff. It's like those two states are very it's it's weird because they don't really represent the makeup politically of the country at all, but you have to pander to to these two arbitrary states to, you know, to make it to Super Tuesday like you said. And it's there there's if we were going to pick two states that actually represented the country more fairly, I mean I feel like Ohio oh, and that's Florida, a good question right Like Ohio and Florida should question. be the first two two primaries. you know that would make a lot more sense demographically and where the the country actually is than Iowa and new hampshire
0: i would I would agree with that. I think Ohio would be a really good choice. I think Wisconsin would be a really good choice, as would Michigan. Um, And I think I mean, Florida, Florida is a funny, Florida is a funny state just because it's it's such a you know yeah. there's it's like five states you know you have like different you're, you're like three parts of Miami are three different states right right um but yeah you know I I I, I totally agree with you I mean it's it that would be a better more indicative uh, primary system and, I mean I just I just love that the Democrats still have something on the books as they, as a party called the Democratic Party. They have something called a superdelegate. Right. As if there are people that are worth more than you, <laughs> that have more power. It's just so great. To well, vote because you,
1: well, they said, you little
0: voter, you just don't know.
1: Well, it, all right. What makes it even better is that they said they were getting rid of the superdelegates, right? They said they reformed the system, we're getting rid of the superdelegates, but they didn't. All they did, <laughs> it's, just, it's so bad. They're so corrupt. All they did was get rid of su- superdelegates on the first ballot. At the convention, so if there's a broker convention, the superdelegates just come in on the second ballot and pick whoever they want. It's even worse. It's like they have more yep. power almost than they did before. It's uh, it's just it's a complete joke.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's an absolute like I, I love the you know quote unquote reform, and it, and it's funny too. You know, I know I know we're probably out of time, but it's funny on the um if you read any article about it and and you try to like really get in there and understand what they did. Every single article is this lazy like reform it's reform the party systems reform reform like there's no real good article that's like here's how, how it was before here's how it is now no 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 go go try to find that article it is not easy to find like uh, you have to actually go to the DNC and read the rules to figure out exactly what you're saying that the the, the rules have changed basically to give them more power in, at a later ballot right and it's like cool so
1: Man, could you imagine, though? I mean, there's going to be like 25 Democrats running. The chances of having a broker convention is not not out of the realm of possibility, man. And to see (laughs) the the superdelegates come in on the second ballot and just, just select a candidate, you know? Oh, man just get the popcorn ready. All right. We are way, way over time. So I do have to oh, let sorry, you go. Know, no, yeah. no, no, it's all good, man. It's always good having you on and I'll definitely have you on again soon. Where can everybody, uh, find you online, follow you on Twitter, all that good stuff and, and read all your stuff. Uh, all of that. Where can everybody find you and keep in touch?
0: Yeah. I'm a contributor at uh, Washington examiner and I have a Twitter handle, the Tyler Grant at Twitter. So follow me. All
1: right. Everybody follow Tyler. He's great. And, uh, you know, uh, He's got some big news uh, in the coming months as well, so stay tuned for that. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.